The reading is from Acts chapter 2, beginning to read at verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thanks, Sarah, for for reading that for us. Uh, Good morning to you if you're here gathered with us uh, in the building, and good morning if you're watching with us from home. It's really good to uh, have you uh, with us as well. If you've got a Bible um, uh, and you had it open at Acts 2, do keep it open um, there as we come to look at these words. And uh, let me lead us in a prayer as we do that. 
Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, we ask, please, would you help us to hear your words uh, this morning? And we ask, Heavenly Father, by your Spirit, cause us to hear your word in such a way that it will lead us to trust in the Lord Jesus, to love Him uh, and live our lives trusting Him. Amen. Um, I don't know if you've, oh, you can, um, you know the feeling, something like this, stuff's happening, but I don't really know what it means. Uh, I student I knew, Anne, uh, when she was at university studying in the library, this guy kept chatting to her uh, in the library while she was trying to work. Most days, uninvited, he would come up, chat, chat, chat. Stuff's happening. It's a bit weird. What does it mean? They're married now, uh, so I guess that's kind of what it meant. That's what it was all about. But you don't always know, do you? When stuff's happening, what it all means. The day of Pentecost, it seems, is a bit like that. Stuff's happening, but what does it mean? Uh, Sarah's just read the stuff that's happening for us. We've just read about all that stuff. Pentecost, 50 days uh, after the Passover, and also 50 days after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He's now returned to heaven. But he's left his disciples with a promise. The Holy Spirit is coming, and here's the day. And God makes his presence felt with sounds and sight. The sounds there in verse 2, it sounds like a, uh, the rushing of a violent wind. The, the sight is there in verse 3. It's like, it's like tongues of fire that come and land on each of them. And then in verse 4, the Holy Spirit in some way, as we were singing about earlier, fills them up and sets them speaking in languages that they've, they've never learned so they can talk to people. We find verse 5 in a reading, who are gathered there in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven. Now, if you know some of the Old Testament stories, as you, as you hear that, you, you might read it and think, look, stuff like this, that has kind of happened before. And depending on the stories you've read from the Old Testament, your mind might go back to somewhere like Genesis 11. There's a, a story there of people who were kind of united in their opposition to God. So God came down and he made his presence felt. He confused their languages so they couldn't understand one another. They became scattered, disunited. The place was known as Babel. Now, this seems to, in some ways, kind of reverse that. People are well, in Acts 2, people are confused now, but they're confused because they can understand one another, and they're, they're kind of being drawn together, united, but this time not with a common language, but with a common message. And it's the message about the Lord Jesus. Or you might think as well, back to Exodus 19, God had rescued his people from Egypt, and he gathered them, he brought them to a mountain, he'd made a covenant with them. And God, on that occasion, he, he also came down and made his presence felt, and it was terrifying. It felt like the whole mountain, there was a, a storm, like a violent wind, and the, the top of the mountain looked like, oh, it looked like it was kind of on fire. And Moses, on that occasion, he went up into the cloud, and when he came back down, he had God's law with him. The people, well, they were told to stay back. You, you can't come close to God. Acts 2, there's kind of some similar things, but it is a bit different as well. God's rescued his people. He's really rescued them in the Lord Jesus. 
And Jesus is the one who's gone up. He's not just gone up a mountain. He's gone right up into heaven. And when, when God comes down to make his presence felt, those signs of his presence, they're there again, wind and fire. It's a bit like that story from Exodus 19. But what's come down is not just the law on the outside, but the spirit to fill people from the inside. Uh, and those signs of God's presence, uh, this time they're, they're not kind of terrifying and distant. No, they're, they're personal and, and joyful. God's come close. And we read, didn't we, the, the crowds, the crowd on that day, they kind of hear what's going on. They notice stuff's happening. And you, you heard their question, verse 12. What does this mean? What does it mean? And I guess you could kind of expand the question a little bit, knowing what we know and how the story is going to continue. What does this mean that, that Christians are wanting to tell the world about Jesus? I mean, that's what this is. It's the beginning of Christians telling the world about Jesus. Chat, chat, chat. It's a bit weird. What does it mean? Some jokers on the day, verse 13, they, they get up and they, they literally say they're wine-filled. That's what's going on here. They're just filled with wine. And Peter, in a way, he says, look, look guys, we, not even we could manage that much this early. We're not filled with a something. We're, we're filled with a someone. And if you want to know about this stuff that's happening, well, then come close, he says, verse 14 and listen carefully. And Peter, he, he tells them on that day, he tells them something about the future. He tells them something about priorities. And he tells them something about Christians as well. Let's have a look. Here, here's, the, here's the first thing. Peter says the day of Pentecost, well, it means, it means the last days have begun. That might sound a bit strange, but you see what Peter does? He, he gets them to remember something God said through the prophet Joel. It's quoted there in verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In the Old Testament, God spoke about a future event called the day of the Lord. It became known as the day of the Lord. It's it's the day, the Bible says, history is, is moving towards. That's where it's all heading. It's the day when God will reverse the fortunes of this world, fix things, uh, bring an end to some things, bring an end, well, wonderfully, bring an end even to death. Back in Isaiah, is described this way. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the, the sheet that covers all nations, he will swallow up death forever. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted him, and he saved us. It's quite a thought, isn't it? Even death done, many of us this year, this, this past year, I felt a longing for that. A day, a day when even death would be swallowed up, when no longer will people be swallowed up by death. Death will be swallowed up gone forever, uh, the day of the Lord. But it's also described as a day when God would bring justice. Also in Isaiah, it's described this way. In that day, here's the day again, in that day the Lord will punish the, the powers in the heavens above and the kings in the earth below. It's a final day of, you could say, of, of rescue and judgment. 
I don't know how you, you feel about life, but it, it can sometimes feel kind of that, that things just sort of happen. They just sort of go on and on. Uh, people come, people go. Uh, good things, bad things. Uh, stuff happens. But does it really mean anything? Uh, I guess there's people who, who feel that way, that it doesn't really mean anything in the end. It's just stuff that's happened. But God says, no, no, it really does mean something. Uh, history is heading to a meaningful conclusion. Your life, your life is heading to a meaningful conclusion as well. It's got meaning to it. Everyone one day will get to stand before him. Everyone will be there. Boris Johnson, he'll be there. Prime ministers, they'll be there. YouTube influencers, PewDiePie or people like that, if you've heard of them, they'll be there. Ariana Grande, she'll, she'll be in the mix as well. And so will your postman. And the guy that shoves the letters through your door. And those of you at school, so will the, so that kid who sits over the other side of the class who you've never spoken to yet, they'll be there as well. You'll be there, I'll be there. We're all heading towards that day. I mean, if that was true, if that really is true, you'd want to be ready for it. You want to kind of know. You'd want some kind of sign that the, the clock is ticking and that's the direction we're, we're heading for. Well, Joel is saying that one of the things God's promised is that before that day comes, that day, before it arrives, he will pour out his Spirit on his people. Something dramatic will happen that will begin to move them in such a weird way. People will, will look in and say, what's all this about? Why are they doing that? What does it mean? Now, we're not a huge church. We're beginning to gather again. We're looking forward to the Sundays where most of us can all be together in the room. But we're big-ish, but we're not huge. And, and yet we're about this as well. We try and support Christians in in other places as well, Barnsley in the north of England, want, wanting to support and pray for them. People in Japan, France, Ethiopia, Greece. One, one of our young people is out in Egypt this year, uh, speaking to people about Jesus. Chat, chat, chat. It's a bit weird, isn't it? What does it mean? Well, Joe says, this is what it means. The reason that happens, the, it, we just kind of take it for granted. We're used to it now. Those are the kind of things that happen. But but what Joel and what Peter are saying, the reason this kind of stuff happens is because of the gift of the Spirit. That's what it means. And they're saying as well, look, when those kind of things are happening, it's not the last day, but it does mean we're into the last days. The gift of the Spirit, people going out, chat, 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 bit weird all over the place. You know where the future's heading. Now, that's what Peter's saying. And then, here's the second thing. Here's the priority. He's also saying, don't, don't waste the opportunity Jesus gives. There's certain days that afford kind of specific opportunities. School days, the best days of your life, weren't they? If you like homework, uniforms, exams, Oxbow Lakes, learning about those. I never really got that. But again, being Cambridge, I'm sure before the end of the day, someone will tell me they've done a PhD in Oxbow Lakes and explain all about them and their relevance. In fact, it's stupid even saying that. Of course, there'll be some relevance to them as well. But school days, there's specific opportunities. Or Valentine's days. 
the opportunity for secret love to be revealed. Remember when I was a student, uh, I was off through in Edinburgh and I got a Valentine's card anonymously. And my head dropped because I thought, it's from my mum. <laughs> my mum sent me a Valentine's card. Man, how sad. And I phoned up my dad. And he said, what's wrong? I said, oh, I just feel a bit fed up. Mum sent me a Valentine's card. And he said, what do you mean your mum? It was me. And I thought, that's twice as bad. It's bad enough if you're a bloke getting a Valentine's card from your mum. Getting one from your dad. That's worse. But there's Valentine's Day, specific opportunities. Or holidays. We're really hoping for those this year, aren't there? The, the chance for a change of scene chance to rest. You, you don't want to miss the opportunities those kind of days bring. And Peter says, look, the last days, the last days, they, they come with a specific opportunity. And it's available to everyone, whoever you are. And it's available to you, even if you feel like you've missed some of the other opportunities of life, school, Valentine's, or, or, or holidays. You, you might miss those, but Peter would say, don't don't waste this opportunity. Really don't waste this one. Verse 21. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, you may be someone who's, who's long-term been part of, of Christ church. You may be tuning in for the first time. You just found us this morning. This word's spoken to you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you want to know the specific name, well, Peter will give it a little bit later in his sermon. We've only read halfway through, but if you, if you were to flick on to verse 36, he makes it really clear the name of this Lord you call on. It's Jesus. Peter's saying, look, we're, we're all heading towards that last great day. Day of rescue, day of justice, heaven and hell. And he's saying, look, God has told us how we can land there prepared. So, it's, so it is a day of rescue and not of regret. He doesn't want us to waste the opportunity. He asked Jesus to save you. He called in his name in that way for the forgiveness that we've already talked about this morning. I was flicking back through a book I read a while ago called What is the Mission of the Church? What is, what is the Job of the Church? And at the beginning, the authors say this, look, we, we don't want Christians to be indifferent towards suffering around them, or Christians to think that evangelism is the only thing that counts, speaking to people about Jesus. It really isn't the only thing that counts. Or Christians who, who risk their lives and sacrifice for the poor and disadvantaged to think their work is in any way suspect. It really isn't suspect. We must be doing those things as Christian people. Christians to retreat into holy huddles and, and not think about how to make an impact in whatever field or career the Lord has called them to. However, having said that, we want to make sure the gospel, the the good news of Jesus, Jesus Christ's death for sin and subsequent resurrection is of first importance. We want Christians freed from false guilt, from thinking uh, the church is either responsible for, for all the problems in the world or responsible for fixing them all. We want the church to remember there is something, there really is something worse than death and something better than human flourishing. And this is why, verse 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No matter what else happens in this life, 
And whatever sadness you have to go through, if this is true, on that day you will find no more regret, no more suffering, no more sadness. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Restored to God in Jesus, brought into the family. And, And that being true for you, it doesn't mean you lose all the other things in life, family, friends, school, art, education, laughter, good food. You don't lose those things. No, they come into their proper place. You, you begin to have them in a life that's been reordered around the one who made you, the one who saved you. And it's a life that really does have a future. And that's why you don't want to waste this opportunity. And if you understand that, if you know uh, that's where the future's heading to, if you know there is a way to be saved, it, it makes sense of one last thing that Pentecost means for, for us here this morning that we're thinking about, and it's a new defining role for the church. And Pentecost means that God's made every Christian a prophet. What does that mean? What does that mean if you're a teenager and you're at school? What sense are you a prophet? What, what does that mean if you're at work in most of the nine to five and beyond that? What, what does that mean if you're a mum with young children? If we were to read 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Paul there talks about a, a gift of prophecy, speaking God's word, that's, that's given to some people and, and not everyone. Uh, but here in Acts 2 is a kind of prophecy that seems to be given to everyone. Verses 17 and 18. Just have a look at it with me, Paul. Uh, Peter uh, puts it this way, quoting Joel. In the, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. What's that all about? These visions and dreams. Well, those those things, visions and dreams, I think what Joel's getting at is, is picking up some of the ways certain people in the Old Testament were given a, a kind of spiritual insight into to who God was, God's character, what he's like, and God's plans, what he's doing. They, they were given a, a special kind of insight so that they could, with some authority, speak God's words, encourage people, explain things. Warn them when it was needed. Prophesy, speak God's word to them. And Joel's looking forward, and he's picking up that, those kind of ideas, and he's saying, look, in the future, and Joel probably didn't quite know fully how it was going to happen, in the future, God's going to do something where those insights, he, he'll seem to pour them out in bucket loads to people by his Spirit so that they can speak to people all over the place. How's he doing that? How, how is God doing that? Just look at verse 19, where, where God says through the prophet Joel, I, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. And there's all sorts of dramatic language. What is that? If you've got a Bible in front of you, just read down. We, we didn't read it out, but just look on to, to verse 22 and see how Peter uses that. It's at least part of the answer. Verse 22, I'll read it for us in case you don't have a Bible in front of you. Peter said this, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. There's the signs and wonders, or at least part of the way. You you get Peter's point. 
It's Jesus, his life, death, resurrection. It's, it's not so much that, that God has to give us a sneaky peek into heaven now. Now more wonderfully, it's that heaven has come down to earth. In Jesus, heaven has come down so we could see God, see what he's like, his character. You, you watch the way he treats people. You can look at him and hear his words and find out all about God's plans from him. That's, if you like, in a sense. God can do what he wants. There may be other visions and dreams he gives, but even if you don't have anything else, you've got this. I mean, this is like the vision and dream. This is the real insight into spiritual things. Jesus, the one who speaks seriously about sin, about the lust, the envy, the hatred that goes on in our hearts, who, who says it puts us on the wrong side of God, would send us to hell, and yet he's also the one who was called the friend of sinners. People delighted to come to him. Who, he's also the one who weeps over the death we face and said that he was going to die in our place, then rise again so that in him we could have life. So that on the day of the Lord, that day will be all rescue and no regret. You know that if you're a Christian. You know those things. Um, we know what God is like. We know what the, what the future is, where things are heading. We, we know how people can be saved. In a sense, you can... You can speak for God, you speak God's word authoritatively there. In that sense, we can all prophesy. When people look in and they, they see us living as Christians, as they hear our chat, 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 as they, as they see people being baptized and they say, it's a bit weird, what's it mean? As they see you in your life with things that are difficult, being a, a kind of forgiving person or bearing with someone or continuing to love someone when it's hard. And they say, it's a bit weird. What does it mean? You can begin to say something, can't you? You say, it's, well, it's because I know I've been forgiven by someone else. It's because I know I've been loved even when I've been unlovely and I'm responding and trusting to him. When they look in on your life and they say, why, why do you not seem to get as so worked up when difficult things are happening? And you, you can say, well, it's because I know there's a day coming when these things will be fixed once and for all. I can't sort everything out now, but I trust the one who's promised that. Now, we've got something to say. And don't think, as you read about this in Pentecost, that in the first place, it's all about God wanting you to speak, as if you and me actually speaking is the big goal that's really in view here. No, I think what Pentecost means, much better than that, is that not, not so much in the first place that God wants you and I to speak, but that God wants people to hear. The God you know loves people, and that's what Pentecost says. He loves people, wants to save them. And it means he's gone all in. He's given his son, he's poured out his spirit, and he does want to use his church. Maybe you feel a bit reluctant about that. Maybe, maybe you get a sense of, oh, I'm not very good at speaking. I, look, I don't think you need to be very good at speaking to do this. 
But I wonder if what we lack is not the best words, but a share of God's concern and the Spirit's power filling us. I certainly feel that. Well, it's day of Pentecost. God has given the Spirit. If we're if we're going to be able to speak, if we're going to be able to share, if we're going to be able to live in any kind of way for God, it's not by our own strength, it's by the Spirit He's given. So I wonder if you, like me, maybe our prayer needs to be this morning, Lord God, so that, so that maybe some people can hear, even here in Cambridge, might hear about Jesus. Please fill us with your Spirit. Why don't we pray that way now? The musicians are going to come back up. In a moment, we'll sing together. Those of you at home will be able to sing out loud. Those in the building will join in from our hearts. Uh, it's a song that directs us, keeps us thinking about the Spirit that God has given to His church, His, His own presence. But as they come up, maybe have a moment to pray yourselves. It might be this prayer you want to ask God to help you. Maybe you've got someone else in mind that you would love to hear about the Lord Jesus. You want to bring that to the Lord. Let's have a moment to do that. And then as the musicians begin, we'll stand and join in with praise.